This is an SBC Media Partners production. Swung on, hit high and deep. Right field. Good 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 it is Phillies fans, these are your glove stories with Murph. Let's check out Greg Murphy. Murphy, you got a special guest, huh? Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Love Stories with Murph, brought to you by the good folks at Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, Shy Vintage Sports, and Phillies Nation. We thank them for their support, and we are really excited to have, well, a very familiar face with us today here on the podcast as uh, we welcome in my partner from the radio and a 2008 World Series champion here in Philadelphia. Chad Durbin is with us today. Chad, good to see you, my man. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I know we've tried to do this uh, about a month and a half ago, and you know, life uh, didn't allow for it. Yes, so yes we we experience that a lot. It's totally fun, but we are happy to have you here uh, today. And I'm really, you know, I get a chance to to sit next to you and listen uh, to to you tell some stories about your playing days all the time, which is one of the best parts of my job as I get to uh, jump in and out of, of all of your guys' lives. But but I think it's going to be fun for the for the listeners and viewers at home to hear some of them as well. And, and I'm going to take you down a little bit of a different route than I normally do here on Glove Stories because, you know, for Phillies fans, obviously, you know, what happened in 2008 is something that we still talk about, something we still celebrate, something we still think about, and we will for as long as, as we're all still breathing. So let's start there because you are in the about the second third of your career at the time when you come to Philadelphia, you're an established major league reliever at that point. You had had a really good season the year before with Detroit and you arrive in Philadelphia, a team that uh, you knew had a chance to win. What was your first thoughts when, uh, when you joined the Phillies organization? I mean, are you instantly thinking in spring training, we got a chance to win something here? Well, I'll actually backpedal just a little bit, you know, because I was, I'd been around for a little while. I had a lot of players, a lot of buddies that were, some were fans of Philadelphia and playing there, maybe in some lean years, there were some guys that weren't big fans (laughs) of Philadelphia and they told me not to go, don't Mm -hmm. go play there, go play somewhere else. You've got enough of a resume right now to go play in a couple other spots and some of these guys are big league managers. Some of these guys are big league uh, general managers and assistant general managers. Some are players. And I just turned into my own kind of general manager for myself uh, against even my agent's wishes. And it was like, no, I'm looking. We went into Philly uh, with the Tigers and we beat, I think we, you know, maybe we won three out of four. We were on fire at the time. And that Tigers team was good. Yeah. We, won, we won 89 games in uh, 2007, coming off of a World Series in 06. You know, so I got a look at it, though. I was like, there's some young talent on that team. Uh, the crowds were starting to become what they were in 8, 9, 10. I mean, 7 was electric, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I remember Howie hitting the ball uh, over, you know, the third deck off Jeremy Bonderman and just watching Jimmy play, watching Chase. It was like, ooh that's a good team. And I fit a piece that wasn't really a great piece for them, which was maybe, maybe a fifth starter, maybe a guy in the bullpen that can come out and, you know, throw some zeros up this or anyway, the whole reason for ending up in Philadelphia was all my own doing very few advocates for go play in Philadelphia. And I love every, I loved every bit of it. So 
coming into it, just looking at the pieces on paper, but also seeing them live and in person, you know, and coming into Philadelphia, it must've been a great time of year. I remember the weather being perfect, like everything (laughs) up to be, you know, a a red carpet, come, come hither. And, you know, from the time though, I will say this from the time that ink hit paper and I was a Philly coming in for my physical, I, I, I went to the, the Eagles complex there. And that's where we did our physicals for, for whatever reason. That's where the doctor was that day. So Jeff Jenkins and I, who actually had separate agents at the time, we ended up with the same agent um, later on. He was sitting there and Jeff is a, a phenomenal human being also. Uh, we actually did our press conference uh, together somehow. Um, I shouldn't have been in there. He should have because of his career. <laughs> um, but we're sitting there and, and we're talking about coming here. And that this we have a chance to win, not just win, but like win go get it all. I remember everything uh, uh, for those first couple of days, sitting down in uh, talking with Ruben, uh, who was assistant GM at the time uh, about the makeup of everything. Uh, meeting Jimmy, Jimmy was sitting, talking about how old I was. Cause I was one year older than him. I think or half <laughs> year older um, in, in the front office. It was just a, a great job from top to bottom. Everybody, it was very professional. It set up well for family. So anyway, long story short, it was a fantastic experience for me personally and only validated the, the, the fight I had internally with getting information from other people saying, you yeah. don't, don't go play there. Maybe they thought I was soft. I don't know. But. <laughs> well, look, it's not for everybody. We know that. But no, if you have not. that mentality that, uh, you know, that you're going to go out and, and give it your all every time. And and when you uh, fail, you accept it and you move on. I mean, that, it, it's really kind of simple. I, I, I think folks out of uh, outside of Philadelphia make it a little more difficult than it is sometimes. But it is what it is. But it does take a, a special mentality. But when things are going well, and obviously in 08 now. 162 games there were times where things weren't going well uh and there were times where the you know fans probably were getting on you guys and all that stuff but as you uh got down into September and the Phils were you know they had some work to do in September but the way it all culminated and and you end up in the postseason and then I want to take you right to game five of the World Series because you had pitched in game three and four of the world series. So game five, you're not available at that point. Um, and well, I guess you would have been available for the second part of it, uh, had they needed it. But, uh, but you know, here you are as that game is coming down to the final pitches, Brad's out there on the mound, you're in the bullpen. Take me, take me to that moment. What's happening? Cause I know that bullpen, you guys were, were a tight knit group and a huge part of why this team was successful. What's happening out there at that point? it's funny you ask that because I've thought about it in, in different ways. I, you know, what I was thinking about at, you know, in between each pitch as we, you know, got through first, second, when Hinsky's up, well, I remember everybody being on their feet. I remember looking out at, you know, the right and left sides of the infield and the outfielders and almost picturing the energy was as if we were, you know, little leaguers, yeah. you know, living out their dream because it, it was hard to, you know, conceptualize it all. It's hard to put it all into even a set of thoughts because it was our first time. I mean, no, I, I hadn't been in that, on that stage. I hadn't stood in a bullpen behind, you know, 405 feet away from Brad throwing the pitches. And it was just very uh, surreal in a lot of ways. It was very dreamlike. Um, The towels, the, the noise, the, 
energy. It was just, it was just as exciting as it could possibly be. It seemed inevitable at that yeah. point. Yeah. There was no yeah, sure. way Eric Hinsky was getting a hit. It was just, you know, Brad's perfect season, everything playing out the way it was um, for it to happen in game five at home, not having to go to Tampa where the energy just obviously wouldn't have been the same. Uh, no matter how many people they packed in there, it wouldn't yeah. have felt like Citizens Bank Park. So I just remember looking out and seeing guys as, you know, a, a younger version of themselves dreaming big because, you know, I, and I'll, I'll tw- spin this a little bit because 2009 was um, almost not more enjoyable, but I got to slow things down. It's why they invite guys that have been there before. Yeah. Because yeah. you're no longer, it's a blur. I almost had to watch videos and go look at my notes and all that stuff. You know, just to remember what what really happened in each game. Who I remember who I faced. I remember, but I don't remember like the same process of thought as yeah. nine and ten and the rest of my career. So just looking out there and thinking about how much it meant to the city. Um, just the black eyed peas playing on the you know on the loudspeakers before the games, and you know seeing the the video promos. I mean, the energy there. I know that's what we're all chasing to this day. Whether we're in a broadcast booth or you're a fan or you're a player. That is what you chase, and that's why it's special. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I, I as you're telling that story, I'm I got chills, and and I'm sure our listeners are, are getting chills too because it does. It brings back you know such amazing memories. And you use the word inevitable. I I I, I feel like when it got to that point, it really was. It felt inevitable. You know, you had the three one lead uh, in the series, and and Brad out there. And all right, so so. Brad strikes out Hinsky, and we've seen the video, you know, a, a thousand times. I'm sure most of uh, the folks listening have as well. Uh, what do you remember? I mean, the sprinting from the bullpen, and did you get to the dog pile in time? I mean, you know, you, you're you're pretty quick, so I would imagine you got not, there. Not in time to be in any of the photos. Or any of the <laughs> well, that's kind of why I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you, you don't want to move your spots. We're all superstitious. <laughs> yes. So nobody had moved a seat. In the, in, in the entire playoff or the stretch run, it was the Love same feet, same thoughts. You're not messing around with any of this. So until Eric Hinsky flailed at that ball and didn't, didn't hit it, until strike three was called and Brad goes to his knees. Like at that moment, I don't remember hitting stairs. I don't remember the gate being open. I'm sure uh, one of our guys down there did it. I remember, you know, I was the first guy there. There you go. <laughs> uh, and, and everybody, a lot of the other guys were on, you know, on the bench coming out. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember, you know, hitting the pop, you know, Madsen, you know, jumping up and down. Like we didn't know what to do. What do we do with our hands? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> like, ran in there and I remember hitting Madsen, Bruntlet, you know, trying to find Lidge, you know, where is my guy? You know, he's somewhere underneath. Yeah, he was thing. buried. Yeah. He was buried. And, you know, just the, the, I don't remember those, however long it took me to get in there, 10 seconds from the time I was sitting to the time I was on that pile. But, and then not knowing what, how to handle it, even afterwards with my wife's like, you didn't even like look for us. I'm like, I, I kind of did, but you're right. Like, I didn't know I've never done this. I just right. was so excited to get around the guys and the place was almost vibrating. It was almost, you know, Richter scale worthy, you know, the energy in the park. And then even walking people out on the uh, on the field afterwards, my my now you know turns fifteen next week. Son, he was you know a little baby. Yep. Got to sit on the mound. We have pictures of that that we I have. Saw that picture, yeah. It's yeah. just you know, it, so the whole thing just kind of uh, spills over into uh, again blurry memories because you're just processing things at light speed because you've never done it. It's every dream you've ever had 
you know, materializing in front of you. And, you know, and you did it with a team, a group of people that did have hard times during that year, the years before a bunch of guys that were very similar in age. When I think about the makeup of the roster, you had a Cole Hamels and you had a Jamie Moyer. I mean, we're talking mm-hmm. opposite ends of the spectrum. You had Flash Gordon, Rudy Sienna, some older guys, but the majority of that roster was somewhere between 26, 27 years old and 32, 33, you know, which is, you know, the reality in a big league roster, but that group specifically, everybody had similar age kids had come up, you know, in, in grew up in the eighties watching the same TV shows. Yeah. Some of the favorite movies were all the same. Um, there were no uh, guys in their phone in the clubhouse. Um, everybody was, you know, Hey, we're going to listen to this music. We're going to call things out when they need to be called out. It was just a lot of really good yeah. character people um, and, and different leaders in different ways in, in that club. So it just reflected on all that in 10 seconds. I can see that. I mean, you know, it's a blur, but yet it's also this culmination of, of all of these thoughts and and uh, yeah. things that you've been thinking about for years and years and years. And it's all happening as you're, you're busting your butt in from, from the bullpen. Um it was an amazing scene that night. You mentioned Jeff Jenkins memory for me. I was obviously I was covering the team and uh, Jeff was my first interview uh, that I got um, coming out of the celebration. He came over and then I got a chance to to talk to Jeff at that point. And, uh, you know, as a Philadelphian kid that grew up here, you know, I was just half fan boy and half reporter at that point, yeah. uh, having a great time regardless. But uh, all right. So let me, so, so obviously you guys go and you celebrate and the sun comes up and you're probably still celebrating. And then, and then, and then you have a couple of days, two and a half days to kind of decompress and figure some things out. And then Halloween, October 31st, glorious day in Philadelphia, and it's the parade. And I've talked to a couple of your teammates about the parade on the podcast. Uh, uh, Ryan Howard was was explaining his what he remembers about that. But I want to get your thoughts because um, we hadn't had a parade in Philadelphia in a long, long time. Right. And what what happened in the city that day was – just absolutely remarkable. Uh, it's just incredible the amount of people that came out. Um, were you, you know, I, I know you guys got had to get there really early in the morning to get on the trucks and stuff. Um, what do you remember about that with the family so, and everything? I remember Crystal, my wife, and yep. Cade. Um, we were, you know, packing up because we knew once this is over, one of the next couple of days, we'll head back to yep. Louisiana and everybody had stuff planned for when we got back because it was such a special moment for, I mean, half of my, most of our family was up there at some point during that world series. And, and a lot of people had to leave because game five took three days. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you had a lot of people gone who were trying to celebrate, but I remember coming over the Ben Franklin to get to the, you know, the landing spot where everybody's going to jump on these, uh, you know, flatbeds and, and from Louisiana, we're used to Mardi Gras type parades and I remember we, Chris was like, what are we going to throw it at people? Like, are they going to do anything like that? Because that's what you do in Mardi Gras. Sure. You're throwing beads, you're throwing stuff throwing like candy. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think we, I don't think that is, there's not bins of beads with Phillies 2008 champs on them throwing at people. It was quite the op- opposite once we got yeah. rolling. What we talked about it. people are throwing beers at Brett <laughs> exactly. Myers and Ryan Howard and all those guys on our, on our flatbed. But we got established on the flatbeds. Everybody kind of figured out what trucks they were going to get on. Um, you know, to, to be perfectly honest, this is, you know, part of the reality as we roll is I didn't know it was Halloween. I had a little kid 
And I didn't know. I, I did not have a clue that it was Halloween until I saw numbers of people in Spider-Man outfits and all kind of like, what are they? That's pretty cool. They came to the parade dressed, you know, and, and dressed up. Maybe they're Marvel fans. I don't know what's going on. And then you start to realize it. But as we rolled, I think we started to take the first left and there were some people walking the sidewalks. I was like, eh, I figured this would be a little bit more aggressive than this. This is, this is some lighter fare. I mean, yeah, maybe they don't know how to parade here in Philadelphia. Yeah. And as we started to turn, um, you know, Market Street, Broad Street, as we, I think it was Market. It's, yeah, right around City Hall. Yeah. As as we started to take the turn, you saw people spilling out of fourth and fifth floor parking garages and climbing trees. And, and it just started to, you know, almost suffocate, you know, the poor flatbed. Um, the cops were on, on, you know, they're happy too. That's the thing is, it's not yes. like you know, a contentious situation with cops and, and people and crowds and all that. Everybody was just thrilled and happy to be there. The thank yous getting spilled out, you know, the guys kind of figuring out what, what are we allowed to do? What aren't we allowed to do? Can we have beers thrown at the, the truck? And, <laughs> you know, and just the whole scene as you start started so, towards city hall by then it was just, you know, chaotic, the, the noise, the horns, everything uh if i ask my son who does not remember it but he remembers watching the videos my mom who was with us on the parade float she helped watch him she recorded a decent bit of it oh, wow. she's like you can't make out anybody talking the loud the crowd was noise the, the, the crowd noise was just definitely yeah. at, at the decibel level where you couldn't even really think for that long period of time and then the honk and horn the whole time and it was five or six of them that's what i remember just getting through that kind of thought process as we started turn on broad and you realize how far we have to go how many people are out there you know uh, shane victorino standing on top of the truck you know the the, the hood of it all that stuff you started to, this is this is really cool how many people do you think are here you know, it's got to be a million people that are out here plus, and I know we know the numbers now. I just remember thinking about how much this really meant to this city. We, yeah. we heard about it. We heard journalists and, and talk show hosts and you know, everybody else kind of paint a good picture of what it meant to the city. But until it's tangible and, and you can feel it and you see it, like, it, it, then you started to realize how much it really meant. And then when you finally turned into the parking lots, you know, uh, you know, at, at the sports complex, and it was just a sea of people. Now I've seen overheads now from helicopters and all that stuff, but when you're in it, you could not see the last person. Right. You really right. were just like, what, what happens if a truck breaks down? What <laughs> and, and you wouldn't even care. Like, we'll just be carried in there, I guess. It was, <laughs> and you would have been <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and, and then from there, you pulled into, you know, Eagle Stadium, did a lap, and then pulled into um, Citizens Bank and, and almost didn't even feel worthy of it all yeah. because it was so much bigger than even running onto the field and, 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 you know, dogpiling and, because you started to think about the, the weight of it all and that this is, you know, no matter what happens from here on out, you're a 2008 World Series champ. And then, you know, get on the podiums and everybody's talking and Chase drops the, the yes. F-bomb. I mean, it was and it was perfect. Like nobody skipped a beat. We're all like that. It couldn't have been more perfect for the personality of the city, for the personality of, of Chase Utley and the team yes. and everybody. Uh, so, I mean, all that kind of spills 
you know, forward, you know, looking at pictures, my mom took good pictures and, and, and all that stuff because she's, she's looking at it. She's looking at her kid. She's looking at the moment she gets it. She's a different perspective for sure. Yeah. Different perspective than me just pinning the ears back and like, you know, don't drop our kid off the side of the truck. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, such a big moment. He fell asleep during, he was so overwhelmed. By all <laughs> I bet that he shut down. I'm surprised yeah. a couple of you guys, you players didn't fall asleep after, after the, we did uh, for about a week afterwards, yeah, 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 right. <laughs> didn't sleep for a while, but yeah, that, that, I mean, I just remember the noise, the feeling, you know, the sea of red and blue and, and it was just, a, I mean, amazing. If I could go back for just a second and, yeah. and feel it again, not just see it, but feel the whole thing again, it'd be worth all the money in the bank. I think it's must watch television for for each of our players today and going forward just to just to see it. You know, I know they obviously they want to do it on their own and and have their their moment, uh, not relive yours and not relive 1980. But uh, when you see what it what it it's like and we're not the only city but philadelphia certainly is one of the cities that when you win here um it's 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 life-changing for for so many guys because of of the way this city will embrace you and and take you uh, and thank you for forever and ever and ever so um yeah it's so cool to hear all right so so then 2009 you know now you're back you're defending champs and the vibe is different for sure but you still have a, a great team and the bullpen becomes a little bit of you guys were a little bit of rock stars that year you were television reality tv stars right that was that was in 09 and the show was called the bullpen right yeah uh, they kind of followed you guys around um it, it was something that we hadn't brand new and we got a chance to uh look at you know learn your personalities and and uh, there were some personalities out there in that bullpen tell me a little bit about that experience with the show well you know for us it was kind of a maybe we say yes maybe we say no because it's such a sacred place yeah it's like letting somebody in your kitchen every night with a camera it's like bravo um housewives all that stuff <laughs> that's but with mlb network coming on to that was their first year yeah and us being so popular such a you know a, a large market i think it was a no-brainer and uh ruben was like hey you're doing it Dave says we're doing it. We're doing it. We think it's great. Um, just figure it out. Like, you know, okay. Okay. And, you, exactly. and, and, and they started during spring training. So you had guys getting cut, making teams, the storylines that were there. Uh, you had a lot of the bullpen that was being given an extra week or two to rest because we had pitched so deep into the, the season with the World Series. So remember getting used to um, Danny Field, who was the, the producer, um, getting used to him being around and, and talking us through things and, Hey, we'll let you look through things. We're not going to just throw out anything, uh, sure. on the MLB network. We want to protect the players. This is, you know, it's MLB network, not some random, you know, for-profit entity that just wants to blow, you know, blow you up. So we'll, we'll work with you. So we got used, we got very used to the cameras being around and they'd set up certain scenarios and some, we would say no to that's not, we wouldn't do that. And other ones, it was like, yeah, we'll do it, but we'll make it look. And they really did a good job of chopping it up and making it yeah. you know, flow pretty well and, and made pretty much everyone look pretty good. But you got a watered down version of all of us. You know, in the reality was that 
we couldn't tell the same jokes that you would tell when there's no cameras <laughs> around. We, you, you, yeah. you had to be really careful about uh, talking about a hitter that you might face uh, and knowing that the cameras are right there and, and maybe we're not being very complimentary of it because you make, you make your little jokes, you say your little things. Yeah. And we, we did, we had to kind of suppress it. So but we did that. We, we did that all the way through the all-star break. And after the all-star break, they were gone. And there were, you could see the weight on, you know, on Mick Billmeyer, who is a character, fantastic. He's funny. Um, it's not all made for TV. Um, you know, so he was finally like, Oh, I can finally, you know, <laughs> yeah. look in the stands and make fun of somebody. I can finally do this. You know, I could finally cuss and feel like I'm, I'm, I'm being me. Right. Um, and, and that's, so there, it was great to get that experience. You did have a lot of people that watched the show. I still have people reference it now. Yeah. Oddly enough, they're like, Hey man, the pen, the show, that was fantastic. My son has watched, um, Vimeo, uh, you know, streaming service. And Danny Field sent us the the links to it. So my sons watched it and he was like, hey, your little like goatee thing. That was a little weird, dad. I mean, like, <laughs> it was very stylish back then. Oh, very everybody stylish. Was doing it. Everybody's doing it. But he just he thought it was cool. He, he thought it was uh like watching somebody that he doesn't know very well um be out there doing his stuff. So yeah. Um yeah, it was a it was a unique experience. Oh nine was a different feel altogether. I I, I was drinking from the fire hose from the beginning of 08 all the way through winning the World Series and the parade. In 09, you knew all the journalists, you knew all the media, you knew all the people in the clubhouse, maybe some new teammates, but you just won a World Series and you kind of mapped things out in your head differently. This is how we play in Philadelphia. This is the, the style of, of our team. This is, this is the path to go win another one. And we've got every piece to go do it. So it was, I remember 09 way more vividly than I remember 08. And maybe because we were successful again and almost won it again, it, maybe that's why the memories kind of uh, commingle a little bit. Sure. Um, they definitely separate where they need to separate. But there are a lot of like, did I pitch to so-and-so in the NLCS in 08 or 09? Right. It's just really cool to say anyway, because it means you went to the same place, <laughs> well, which is, game. yeah, which is hard to do. I mean, you know, you go back in baseball history, uh, getting the back-to-back World Series is a very difficult thing. You guys were able to do it. Um, you don't win it the second time. So obviously a very different feel when that final game, uh, game six against the Yankees comes to uh, a close. And there was a little bit of a lopsided game in that one. And um, it, what do you remember about that? Is is the feeling immediately, all right, we'll get, we'll, we'll be back next year. Because you're looking around and knowing that you're going to have a similar team, you know, in 2010. I remember standing in the dugout watching them dogpile and thinking, is this what it looked like yeah. for Tampa? Um, watching yeah. us do it. Um, the Yankees maybe celebrated a little bit differently because a lot of those guys, uh, especially their captain had, uh, had already done this, um, mm-hmm. been a minute for Yankees fans. I mean, 10 years for them is, a, you know, or eight years, that's a lifetime for that. That's yeah. a lifetime. I mean, you're about to get, everybody's getting fired. Um, but I remember looking at it. I remember walking in, nobody knew what to do. Yeah. yeah. You know, do, I, do I pack my locker? I guess I have to pack my locker. I mean, do we take buses back to the hotel? I mean, what, what do we do? Uh, I right. mean, and, and you almost needed the traveling secretary and, and Frank and other different guys to post it up and write it on the whiteboard. So you please direct traffic because we have no idea how to handle this is, oh, the media is going to come in. Oh, crap. We got to talk to those guys. So we need to be present. 
you know, some guys didn't want it, but, you know, guys, you know, some of us thought that way. Um, we need to be present. We need to answer some questions. Oh yeah. I gave up a, a, a double that I thought should have been caught. Um, maybe I have to answer that, you know, it wasn't right. good today. So I mean, it was, it, a lot of that was, you know, part of the, you know, the, the whole thing. I remember wanting to be protective of Jay Happ. Um, he's from the same small town I am in Illinois, which is just crazy. Our parents, Play my dad. The dads played basketball against each other. The moms appeared together in high school. And two of those kids from, you know, an 8,000 person township in rural Illinois uh, played in the World Series back to back years and, and had some parts in it. And I remember, you know, looking over at him and he's in his in his mid 20s and he's young and, you know, he, he didn't he didn't have a good outing either. Uh, I remember wanting to be protective of him. I mean, just all those things come to mind. I hadn't thought about that in a long time, but I remember yeah. that feeling when I realized, you know, this is what's going to happen. This is how it, this is how it looks when you don't win. Right. You know, right. You, you Very it, different. It. I did not get chills when you told that story. No, it's a little, yeah, a little different. <laughs> and then, and then we know, obviously, you know, the continued success, uh, uh, over the next couple of years, but, um, I, I, that was, that was really cool because I, I love hearing the perspective of, of you guys in that time, as I said, to start it off such a special time in our city. Um, if you're a sports fan and, and to hear it from you guys is always awesome, but let me take you back now because um you know you were a uh, third round pick um coming out of high school uh and at that time you guys had your, your family had moved to louisiana at that point you went to high school in louisiana um and you you were always pretty much on the radar were you not i mean you were a hard thrower as a young kid and uh, you know obviously you can't project yourself in the big leagues but you were a guy that people were saying you know keep an eye on am i i'm right about that right um, yeah, I was always a really good baseball player. I always threw well on the mound. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reliable, but I was a better shortstop than I was a pitcher. And our high school had some pretty darn good athletes. So yeah. for me, a lot of times I would jog in to throw the sixth or seventh inning uh, of a game and close it out. Um, oddly enough, became a reliever in the back half of my career. And <laughs> yeah, there was something about, and, and I'll say this you know, real quick so I can go back to, you know, the whole process of being drafted and, and a high school experience, but jogging in with a, you know, I work up every game because I was playing shortstop or third base or playing center field, not because I was pitching. If I was pitching, I don't, I mean, why, do I really need this? I guess you do, but I, it's, it's not like I'm a, I'm a it, They can still come back. Oh, <laughs> they can come back your way. It's a different thought process. And I think, you know, when you're a starter, there's four days where you go out to the, the field and you know, you're not going to do anything. You're not going to play. You're not going to do anything. And for me, those four days between starts were tough as a, yeah. as, a, as a pro. So, you know, go back to high school where I was always part of the game. I let off most games or hit three hole um, in high school. I, I was fast. I stole bases. I was reckless on, on I, I caused havoc for the other coaches. They would always comment on, on it after games. So I appreciated the way the game, you know, I kind of looked at the St. Louis car. I was a Cubs fan, but the way the Cardinals played in the eighties yeah. was the way that I saw baseball needing to be played. Reckless abandon on the bases, high end defense, bun guys over, hitting behind runners, mm-hmm. you know, and then a big home run in a moment that maybe, you know, it, it, it spills the game into a five or six run lead. Yes. So going back to high school, that was the type of player I was. So I think because I was a, a two way guy and I played basketball, so I was never at any of the, even back then, they, they do a bunch of showcases now, but 
but I was never at some of these, Hey, go run the 60, go throw from the outfield, put a gun on you. Any, I was never on anybody's radar. So I was a little bit more obscure than always, you know, people knew I was good that we're here in, in Louisiana and Louisiana has a pretty good track record of pumping sure. out some pretty sure. good talent. So you played in this little bubble down here where Ben Sheets, who, you know, pitched in the big leagues for a long time. Kurt Ainsworth was first round pick pitched in the big leagues. Ryan Terrio. Um, all these guys were in the same little district. And we played against each other. Nobody thought anybody was any good until we got on the pro level. And we're like, holy crap, we're going to have a chance playing the big leagues. Right. Is this really going to happen? So being a third round pick, uh, I was throwing 93-94, uh, topping out, sitting 91 in high school. And back then, that's like sitting 93-94, touching 98. Yeah, for sure. Um, I was first round pick kind of worthy, but LSU is this huge, like, you know, rip in the space-time continuum down here in baseball. Skip Bertman, before the internet was really what it is now, he could manipulate situations. I sprained my ankle in basketball, and he told all the scouts that could hear it. Oh, it's broke. He's going to miss his entire baseball. Snapped in half. (laughs) He's done. He's not. So, and and I didn't get scouts coming to the first couple of games that I pitched um, in my senior year because they they didn't know. So about five or six games into uh, my season, all of a sudden some guys started to show up and they're like, wait, he's fine. What, What are we doing? And Skip just, and he saw an opening. You know, let's see what happens. But then then the signability became part of that equation. You know, is Chad going to go to LSU like everybody down here expects all of these Louisiana kids to do? If right. they get into that LSU vacuum, they're going to disappear for three years and come out, you know, a two-time national champion and all this different stuff. That was I was a Cubs fan, like I said a couple minutes ago. So I didn't care about the LSU legacy. And my mom told Skip that he wants to be a Cub. He could care less about being a Tiger. And he was, I followed the NL pretty closely, but I just, you know, I wanted to be, a, you know, a Cub. I wanted to be, you know, better. Um, so it, it, I don't know. I didn't want to, I wanted to go to college and get my, my degree, but I didn't want to go play baseball in college. So got drafted, um, you know, decided to sign and see how good I was. And, and that's kind of where uh, we went from there. So the minor leagues for you, um, and I asked this question to, to most of you, of you guys, uh, positive experience. What are, what do you remember about the minor leagues? Cause there are some guys that kind of soaked it all in, you know, the bus rides and the roadside motels and the bad food and, you know, the long hours, because it's, it's not a, <clears throat> it's not a picnic for sure. As you guys travel around, especially in the low, low minors. Um, and then, and then obviously you get to the big leagues and it, the, everything changes, but yeah. uh, what do you remember about the minors? Did you embrace it? Did you enjoy that time with your teammates having fun and being young men kind of traveling the country? I, I loved it. Um, the, the only part I really didn't love was the, you know, you sign, you think that this is going to be, you know, crowds and, you know, I'm an 18 year old kid. And you, I went down to Fort Myers where we shared a complex with the twins and you're just on a cloverleaf, you know, four fields, um, some high school age kids doing the radar gun and a couple families that showed up to see their, their kids. Doesn't feel a whole lot different than high school. It it would no high school is a lot better. Yeah. (laughs) Then being a pro and all of a sudden you're down there. Uh, but it's kind of a, a weed you out. 
type of uh, scene. Like, let's see whether you really love playing baseball or whether you'll quit because this isn't what you dreamed it would be. And then uh, the next year out of spring, um, went to Lansing, Michigan, Oldsmobile Park, Midwest League. And Oldsmobile Park was new. It was the second okay. year. Um, it was a beautiful park. They got like 5,000 per game, which is a lot in the minor leagues, especially at those levels. And the Midwest League was really close to home. Uh, you know, we talked about being from Illinois. Yeah. Uh, Peoria, Rockford, Cedar Rapids on the other side, and Iowa and in Quad Cities and Kane County, um, you know, where Scott Fransky, you know, started yep. his radio career, the Kane yep. County Cougars. And we ended up winning the Midwest League. I remember those bus trips being the coolest thing that I, I mean, just watching the sun come up, looking out a bus window around a bunch of 22, 23 year old guys that had been at colleges that I watched play. I don't know. It was for me that was special. Played in Wilmington, Delaware the next year. We won it again that year. We went mm -hmm. to Wichita the next year and uh, won it that. We won back to back to back titles as, as a minor league crew. I just, I was around a bunch of good guys, had a good time. I, I loved the grind of, of the day to day. You know, I didn't know it was a grind because it, I was happy to do it. But looking I, back, yeah. that's kind of where I started to sharpen the tools to be able to, you know, continue along that way. I, I loved the idea of getting to spring training in late January and starting to get there early and do, you know, go through my process. I, I didn't know I was creating a, you know, a systematic approach to all this, but that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And, and, but it was mine to do. I didn't get, you know, people telling me how to do it. I love the, like I said, I love the bus trips. I love picking the brains of the older coaches that I'd meet uh, along the way, whether it was on my side or the other side. Um, the small town uh, Midwest league was a lot of fun because uh, for me, you know, being, you know, being a young kid, the energy of the fans, they were there, they weren't there to see, you know, the, the team win. they were there to see these kids project to go to the next level yeah. and, Future and Royals. Yeah. watch it. Yeah. Watch a dizzy bat race and, and get a dollar beer and have some, have some fun, watch some kids play baseball that might project. And that's the fun of sitting in the stands. Oh, I think that guy right there might play in the big league someday. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's got seven steps to get there. I don't know how it's going to go, but I really, I, I truly did love being a minor leaguer in, in an odd way. I didn't even occur to me that I could get to the big leagues in three years. Uh, and I did. Yes. But I didn't occur to me that that could happen. I was just enjoying the heck out of being in Wichita, Kansas and Wilmington, Delaware and uh, in, in Lansing, Michigan. You know, it was Which a lot is of probably fun. why it happened in three years, because you were you were just allowing it to happen. Yes. the way it was supposed to happen instead of, uh, you know, just uh, obsessing over the idea of trying to get to the big leagues. I oh, think no uh, doubt. it probably helped you in this, this game of baseball. You can't, you can't obsess where it's going to, it's going to eat you up and spit you out. So no, no doubt. And, and I, I find it funny because some of the, the abilities that I see in kids that we, cause we have a, a high school program down here in, in Louisiana and I see talented kids, but it's really the ability to focus on the moment you're in right now that yeah. projects for me. If all the talent's kind of the same, Chase Utley's ability to focus was next level. And Jimmy Rollins, who doesn't get a whole lot of credit for it, had his own process. Absolutely. And it wasn't palatable to other people, but he had the ability to focus for a decade plus. And, and yeah. it was the same type of energy. And it's that ability to focus like that that I think really separates the average players from the above average players. Yeah, I, I think you're right. 
because it's one thing to be able to focus for a season, uh, even two, uh, you know, half a season, a homestand. But uh, the great players have that ability. And, and we obviously Chase is a, is a perfect example of that. I mean, I think the, even the fans could see that. But, uh, you know, covering Jimmy and watching Jimmy and the way he went about his business, you know, another perfect example. And, and there were a lot of guys on that team. Oh, yeah. We can and, and there are a lot of guys in the big leagues like that because you don't get there unless you have – a lot of that in you um, well, for and, sure. And it's the ability not to get comfortable once you start to get paid either. Like, yeah. you know, can, can you appear with the same type of energy that you had when you weren't getting $250,000 every right. two weeks? Um, yeah. You know, that, that does, it changes people and it's just, it, it is what it is. It's a good thing. You know, I hope everybody gets paid. I hope everybody in every line of work gets overpaid you yeah. know, rather than absolutely, overpaid. you know, so <laughs> You know, that to me is uh, some of the reflections I have. I, I did. I had that ability to put my head down and not care what everybody was thinking or talking about. Uh, maybe that was one of the got to be one of the reasons that Philadelphia was, you know, a good thing for me. Yes. I knew, I knew it was there, but it was the same voice. The same guy booing me from the third deck was the same voice I have in my head. When, right. I, go, when I go 2-0 on the eight hole. <laughs> like, you're booing yourself you yeah doing? you're like what are you doing <laughs> right exactly that's what the guy up, up in the in the, the 300 level saying yeah, what are you doing <laughs> yes yes <laughs> yeah yep. it's okay it's all right you know um I, just a, a quick aside uh during that story you said that oldsmobile park was brand new that you're getting old, Chad. Uh, <laughs> Oldsmobiles don't even exist anymore. So Oldsmobile Park being brand new is uh, that's that's kind of funny. Um, all right. So finally, uh, you you make your major league debut, um, and it's a successful one. And you know, you do you remember that day? Because it was the only game you pitched, if I'm, if I'm right, in 1999, right? You made your major league, but you, you appeared in one game. And then in 2000, you came back and, and really pitched. But what do you remember about that uh, moment? So, um, I wasn't called up with the rest of the September uh, call-ups because we were in a double-A um, championship run. Okay. So, you know, the first week, um, I was making two starts, um, started the first game of each one of the steps, and uh, we won it. Um, because it was our third championship and everybody was driving home from uh, Tulsa, um, you know, nobody drank. We just kind of poured beers and water and like high fives <laughs> and, and, and I bounced. So I, I knew I was going to the Arizona Fall League and September 15th, I think, was kind of the report date to go out there. And it was right around September 12th, September 13th. And I went home, I went to Baton Rouge and went to my, one of my best friend's houses. I was going to stay there for a night or two. And Muzzy Jackson was our minor league coordinator. He called and left a message on the, their, their, their machine at the house. And the mom, Lori uh, Greer, she said, uh, there's, there's a, a message from a Muzzy. Do you know a Muzzy? And I was like, yeah, I do. I know a Muzzy, but there's only one Muzzy I know. And, and you know, I guess he's checking on me. This is the number I gave him. You know, seven, five, six, nine, eight, eight, oh, I remember the numbers. <laughs> you know, because all this stuff came to a, a screeching halt. I didn't give the area code. Good luck, guys. <laughs> um, but I remember listening to the message. Um, he didn't really say anything, just left a number. Um, so I called and Muzzy just, you know, kind of real said, Hey, what do you what have you been up to? I was like, Well, I just drove from Tulsa to Baton Rouge and um, he said, well, you know, how, how are you feeling? You had a good playoffs. Oh, yes, sir. You know, 
I'm ready to go out to the fall league. He said, so you feel like you could pitch tomorrow if you needed to. I was like, well, absolutely. You know, I'm in mid-season form, so to speak. But um, I plan on driving out to the Arizona Fall League, getting there a week early, and, um, you know, let's get this thing going. And he said, well, um, you know, we might need you to pitch, um, you know, with, with us, you know, you, can you can you make it, you know, to, to Detroit? And I was thinking, Detroit, you know, I didn't know they were on the road. I was, it was, I was not in, like I said, it was. Right, you weren't in that mode. That yeah. I wasn't, and, and to be honest, because I was wrapped around the axle of being where I was, I wasn't watching the Kansas City Royals team like these other guys were that I'm better than this guy. I should be here. I should be, I, I was happy for the guys that got called up. Cool. Maybe it'll be my turn someday, but right. I'm here. So he tells me, hey, we're going to send you some details. Go ahead and call your family. Let them know. And I remember walking out, like sh- literally like shaking, trying to tell my, my best friend's family. Yeah. I just got called up to the big leagues. Huh. You know, Chills again. <laughs> I'm not ready. I'm not ready. That was the very first. That was the first thing you thought of. I'm not ready. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny. Almost everybody that knows me would have thought, you know, here he's probably ready, but he's been a little erratic at times. It's just, you know, young 21 year old kid. But I remember like being so, I felt so much that I wasn't ready that I had to go run sprints on their sidewalk in the front yard because I, I was like, I haven't, I haven't thrown a baseball in two days. You know, I was, I, I knew I had a little bit of time. I don't have time now. And I remember, you know, getting on a flight, it was a, a big 757, 747, something like, and I was in the middle row of, of there were five seats and then the two on the ends. Yeah. And I was middle, middle. And just, I don't remember much other than flying into Detroit, um, getting off the plane, taking a cab, getting to old Tiger Stadium. That was its last series yeah. ever there. Oh, and, how about that? And, and, and so I get there and I walk into this tiny clubhouse, tiny clubhouse with all of these big leaguers that I've kind of seen around spring training and watched on TV. And, and all of a sudden I'm uh, okay. I'm getting a uniform. You know, there's an, a urinal that's been there for a hundred years. <laughs> so this is, and you walk Ruth might've used that one, right? You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Babe Ruth peed there. Yep. Go yep. ahead and take a piss there. Exactly. I stood there for like 15 minutes trying to, you know, squeeze out a drop. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the memory. <laughs> yeah, I did it. I, I stood over there and, and shook it and we're good. Um, so and then I walk out to the stadium and it's, you know, there's bunkers as, as uh, dugouts. It's not like the dugouts that even we were in in, in double A. Yeah. And I'm looking at the, the outfield, you know, second deck is spilling over. And, and I'm going to play catch with a guy named Tim Burdak that I was with in double A at one point. And Birdie and I played catch and we're underneath the overhang. I remember thinking how cool it was, how it yes. sounded. The third deck just changes the, the, the acoustics and, and thinking, you know, I guess I could pitch today. Like that the reality, what do you do as a reliever? Like, what do you do? <laughs> You're like, well, you get ready. You walk down there. And if they motion down, Hey, get the, the tall young kid up and, <laughs> and I'll, 21 years old there and, drove. and yeah. so I, I think it was three days into that series before I ever got on the mound. Um, I didn't warm up. I didn't throw a bullpen, um, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm in the game and it was the second to last game ever there. Um, came in after a, a guy named, uh, you know, Blake Stein, you know, I think he hit Gabe Kapler uh, or Gabe Kapler <laughs> went deep. I'd have to look at the, the, the line, but um, I'm, I'm, I run into the game. Uh, I almost get there too soon to the mound because it's not very far 
And uh, Tony Muser, my manager, hey kid, you know, you know, ha- have some fun. And I remember thinking, like, oh my god, these are all these big leaguers right here. And yeah. you know, Luis Polonia was the very first hitter I faced. And I remember okay. playing RBI baseball on Nintendo. And, and he was, and he, he was, was a guy. Yes. yes. And so I, I was having all those moments and um, I actually struck him out on a changeup. And, uh, and then after that, it kind of settled into, it's kind of the same game. Yeah. You know, it's 60 feet, six inches. If I throw a strike, the umpire goes like this. If I throw a ball, he doesn't, um, you know, these guys make really cool plays behind me. This is fun. And, you know, so that whole experience was very, uh, I don't know. It was very comfortable for whatever reason. It was a packed old tiger stadium. Didn't get packed much anymore. No, in but, days, but, yeah. but it was, it was full. Like my parents, because it was ending. Yeah. My parents who, who went there to watch the games, they got to sit next to Ty Cobb's family, Mickey Mantle's family. Like, like How cool's that? they're just in a family section. She's in my mom and dad were there. That, that's not a normal family section. Like we're talking wow. about legacies. We're there. Wow and watching this and and it's so it was so you know you know i was such a small part of that moment for the the scope of it but for me it was the biggest moment of my life to that point yeah. and it's just weird to get that juxtaposition in you know the way people viewed it but went well it was a uh, it was about as cool an experience as as i could have ever imagined it it exceeded the expectations in in so many ways and then i'll I, we went back to Kansas city after the next game and we played the Cleveland Indians and they were loaded that year. Mm-hmm. And I was going to get you know, Cleveland and then Detroit to finish season. They told me I'm going to start the last game of the season. And I was so excited because it was my chance to maybe show them that I could make this team the next year. Right. And forecasts for some rain. I don't know if, if a drop came down, but it was the tigers who were in second to last place and Kansas city was in last place. And they banged the last game. And I was <laughs> the only person in the stadium upset. Wow. That we wow. Um, I didn't know that. Only guy. I was like, how are we not playing this game? I'm like, oh, I'm, my goodness. This is my time to shine. Right. Um, so, yeah. And at that point, you don't know if you're going to get another chance, right? You don't know. You don't know. Ever get another chance. I mean, right. being young um, at the time, maybe you just think that, yeah, this is how it goes. I'll be on this team next year. Uh, but knowing what I know now, man, yeah. you don't know. You don't know. Nothing's so, yeah, guaranteed. The, yeah. The next, uh, you know, the off season, you know, I, there was no, I went straight from there to Baton Rouge all the way to the Arizona, Arizona fall league, Arizona fall league. I remember seeing Pat Burrell for the first time. Okay. And he's a big human. He's a big guy, you know, and uh, he had his hair slicked back like he always did. And I, I, you know, to be honest, you know, I'd seen all the highlights of him at Miami hitting home runs and being this, that, and the other. And I, I had no reason not to, I didn't like him, but it wasn't because I didn't like his personality. It's because, you know what? I want to take those guys. and I want to chop them down. I remember seeing all the Arizona Folly is just this mix of talent, you know, 20, 21, 22 year old kids that have a chance to be big leaguers now or already have. And I went out there and I led the league in ERA and pitched as well as I could then went into spring training the next year. And I, it was Pedro Roger Clemens and me one, two, three in ERA in spring training. And okay. I made, so I made the team out of spring in 2000 and I was as, I was going as good as I could possibly go um, and pitched well in my first start, uh, you know, went six innings, gave up a solo home run, one hit in Toronto 
Um, part of the reason I wanted to go to Toronto when we, you know, when we <laughs> it's just, I have some memories there. Uh, I don't know. It just kind of spilled over. And then uh, I had a pitching coach that, you know, wanted to make me better. And he's, he's, he's been around for a long time, Brent Strom, but we were tinkering with a bunch of different things in my first couple starts in the big leagues. These are like off season moves that you would make with a pitcher. And I just, you know, I ended up not throwing well, uh, threw well for three or four starts. Yankee Stadium faced that lineup, faced Albert Bell and Cal Ripken in, in Baltimore, Cleveland pitched well. And then all of a sudden the wheels came off and I didn't know how to get it back on. So, baseball. <laughs> baseball, yes. Um, so, yeah, yeah. That, that experience there um, kind of bled into 2001 and I had a good year. 9 11 happened, life yeah. changed. Um, yeah, Tommy John and Tommy John, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm speeding through time. Yeah, right no, now. it's OK. It, it, but 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 that's the thing. I mean, parts of 14 seasons in the big leagues and and six different organizations. But, um, you know, when you when you think back to to all that you were able to accomplish, you know, you were starting pitcher in the league or a reliever in the league. Um, but you, you started at such a young age. Um, it, it's it's really, you know, it, it's remarkable for for fans, I think, to look back and look at the numbers and, and see the progression. And, you know, it wasn't always great. You know, there were times where you went back down to the minor leagues and I'm sure the minor leagues the second time, and the third time, not as fun as the first time. Right. Because you kind of know what you're missing. But yeah. um, but you were able to kind of persevere and uh, get back. And, you know, the way we started the podcast, um, I, I don't I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would imagine that was one of the pinnacles of your career yes. um, when it all you know culminates in a world championship in 08. Well, and, and, and you talked about the minor leagues. It was the ability. There's a, this this story right here is is kind of it's a tip of the hat to my wife. Um, who was my fiance in 2005. Yes. I was playing in New Orleans, um, driving from Baton Rouge to New Orleans every day to, uh, and it's uh, 55 minutes from where I live to, to the stadium. Um, rode with a couple other guys from Baton Rouge. I think guys were at the end of their careers. I thought maybe I was towards the end of my career. I mean, heck, I was 28 years old. I was not. Right. But at the time, you're kind of thinking, yeah, if I don't get back to the big leagues, what do you do? Right. So. I'm, I'm a Zephyr, a New Orleans Zephyr. I'm in the Washington national system who, and they weren't good in 2005. So my, if I pitch well enough, I've got big league experience. Maybe they'll call me up. Well, that was not the design of, of how they wanted to do things. They were going to develop their young talent and we were just filling space right. you know, down there. And I kept coming home every, every time I came home 11 o'clock at night, I would say to Crystal, say, yeah, this is miserable. They're not giving me chances. Woe is me. You know, I'm a victim, like all that different stuff. And I hate the victim mentality. And she finally, after about, it was probably longer than I remember, but after about four or five of those types of, of nights, she said, hey, are you going to cry about this for the rest of your life or wake up tomorrow and do something? And, but she was, I'm sure she was tired of hearing somebody who's very capable complain every time about playing the game you love right and so i remember sitting i, I called both the guys the next morning about 11 o'clock i said hey i'm driving myself down there the rest of the year I'm not riding with two guys that are miserable too um i'm gonna get there and be the first guy at the park i'm gonna be the last guy to leave it means that my times are gonna change as far as getting home i would rush home to maybe catch her before she went to sleep well nope I, this is the way i'm gonna do it and i did i had a good rest of the year um, ended up in the offseason signing with the Tigers, knew I wasn't going to have a chance to make a team out of spring, but 
I was going to embrace this as maybe my last run ever, but I'm going to be the first guy in spring training there, last guy to leave every single day. I'm going to do the same thing wherever the heck I end up, whether it's Japan, Korea, or Toledo. Mm -hmm. And I went to Toledo and played for the Mud Hens, and I embraced the minor league experience again. And that's a great ballpark and a great fan base. You wouldn't think it. You're Toledo and you're like, whoa, okay, you did some time. Yeah, legendary franchise, though. It was phenomenal. It was from the ownership to uh, Larry Parrish and, and, and the guys coaching. But we embraced it. And in, in that we went, we won another championship that year. Oh, six. Yeah, I won. I won almost everywhere I went, oddly <laughs> enough, whether it was just odd timing or me being a piece that added value. Um, but I did. We won almost everywhere I went. And in 06, we had, you know, I think I threw 199 and two thirds innings in five months. Wow. And we changed. You know, this is something and I wish all minor league or, or college guys could hear this part of this, but I was pitching. Well, I had like a two, one ERA. I was like four and one, um, about a month and a half in. And, and my pitching coach came up, Todd Jones, not Todd Jones. Uh, um, Jones, he's what I call him. I'll, I'll remember it in a second, but he slapped my, you know, some other guys got called up and I didn't flinch. I'm not here for that. I can't control that. But he slapped my report down, said, here's your scouting report. You still throw a four seam, a curveball, and a changeup, and they're good enough to get everybody here out. But the guys upstairs in Detroit, Dave Dombrowski, you know, mm-hmm. they don't they don't see you as adding value to the big league roster because if you go there, your numbers are going to be the same as they were in the past. So something's got to change. What are you going to do? And I'm like, well, what do you what do you think? He's like, maybe maybe a slider. You know, maybe, you know, trying to run a two seam in there. I was like, I just, I've tried a two seam before. It doesn't work. And Colby Lewis, who played in the big leagues for a while, and Zach Miner, who played in the big leagues for a little while, we had to play pepper with our pants up. It was miserable in the minor leagues that way. I didn't like wearing my pants up, but we had to play pepper. So you're throwing the ball, guy hits it back to you. Mm-hmm. Well, you get bored, you start throwing cutters. Yep. <laughs> you, start throwing fingers, you start messing with them. And he saw me throwing a cutter. He's like, hey, I pitched the day before sore as heck i'd thrown 110 pitches he's like get on the mound i want you to throw a couple of those cutters i was like i'm you know i don't feel like i should get back so just i want you to throw a couple so a catcher named maxim st pierre catches about seven or eight cutters and they're all black just off just throwing strikes and he said you got 15 of those your next start we'll throw them tomorrow in your bullpen but i think it's something you can incorporate wow it's fun to have a new toy so I went out there and, you know, that's what I, you know, so I throw the cutter, I get like six easy outs on, you know, pop up to first or ground ball back to me. It's effective. And so we, we do that for two starts. And then the next start, he slaps the scouting report down. He's like, look, the report just changed. This is our, this is one of our scouts. Hey, Durbin's incorporating, you know, an 88 to 90 mile an hour cutter to complement these other pitches. He said, I think I can add something more. Have you ever tried this one seam sinker grip? I said, no, man, I've just never been able to throw a two seam or I manipulate it. I, I can't do it. He said, well, try this out. Middle finger dominance. And I ripped through it and it's all of a sudden, wow. You know, it's just taken off. He said, 15 of those next start mandatory. Okay. I go out and I throw like a 78 pitch eight inning game. And they, they had a, a big league guy on, on, you know, rehab. So he had to throw the ninth. But I came in and I'm I'm talking, he's got his hands out like this, gives me a big hug. And he said, you're going to get to the big leagues and you're never going to come back. It's going to happen. 
At some That's point. amazing. And but the Detroit Tigers that year, I mean, they went and lost the world. Yeah. They were good. They had no room for guys like me. So I, I mean, I literally threw 199 and two thirds innings. In the back half of the season was eight pitch innings. I would go. I mean, it was seven, eight, nine inning game every time. Weak contacts, low pitches per inning, and it was so much fun to go play ball like that. I don't think any of that it happens without my wife telling me to stop crybabying. Yep. You know, and and you know, absolutely, you're playing the game you love. I embraced it. I was okay with someone trying to change me a little bit rather than being stubborn and saying no. And and it all just spilled into being a Tiger the next year, being a Philly in 08, yeah. and the Arsenal that I went out there with, at, you know, the latter part of my career was a product of being open-minded in Toledo that year with a, a really good staff. So, and, and, and that, and that is the message that you want those young players to hear uh, because you, you need sometimes to, especially in this game, you need to adapt to make changes. And, and you were able to do that on, uh, on behalf of all the fans in Philadelphia. Thank you, Crystal, for getting his act <laughs> together. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, yeah, you know what? Sometimes you need a swift kick in the in the butt. She didn't. She didn't need to hear that. Uh, no. it, yeah. So uh, it's certainly, uh, certainly good that uh, that she was there for you in that regard. All right. Hey, look. This I, we could do this. You and I could do this for forever. But uh, but I'm not going to do that to you. So uh, this was a lot of fun, Chad. And, and 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 thanks for you know bringing us back to such a special time in the city. Um, yeah. And and you know we obviously love uh, now that we get to see you all the time on the on the Phillies radio uh, with Scott Fransky. Um, I hope you're enjoying that. I know you are. And hey. uh, and fans in Philly certainly are as well. So. Uh, uh, appreciate your time as always and uh go enjoy the fam and, and you and i'll talk soon sure thanks i'll see you for alumni week all right sounds good we'll see you in a couple weeks let's take a quick break here on glove stories with murph but we'll be back with uh, larry boa and charlie manuel they're coming up right after this the all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app is here for both Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Get in on all the action, whether it's baseball, the basketball and hockey playoffs, golf, all your favorite sports. Download the all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app and make your first bet risk-free up to $750. Bet more than the score. Bet on individual player performances for hits, home runs, and strikeouts. Bet innings, first team to score, and more. Bet Parks is the only sportsbook and casino app that I recommend. The Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, where odds, bets, slots, and games all come together in perfect harmony right in your pocket. Sportsbook and all your favorite casino games for real money, all in one amazing app. Live in-game betting lets you bet while you watch the game. Download right now in the App Store, Google Play Store, or at BetParks.com and use my promo code MURPH. Bet Parks is also an official proud betting operator of the PGA Tour. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. You must be 21 and in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to This Week in Philly Baseball History, presented by Shad Vintage Sports. This week in 2015, Cole Hamels threw a no-hitter in his final start with Philadelphia. The left-hander struck out 13 Chicago hitters in a 5-0 win at Wrigley Field. Hamels, Terry Muhalan, and Johnny Lush are the only Philadelphia left-handers to throw a no-hitter. Celebrate more Philly sports history with clothing from Shad Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Visit them at 13th and Walnut Streets or at shadsports.com. Phillies Nation is your source for breaking news, original analysis, trade insights, and more. Read today's articles at philliesnation.com. 
And welcome back to Glove Stories with Murph, brought to you by Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook App. Jive Vintage Sports and the great folks at Phillies Nation as well. And it's that time on the program where we welcome in two of our Wall of Famers, two of the the best to ever wear the Phillies uniforms, Charlie Manuel, Larry Boa, joining us here as they do each and every week. Thanks for being with us, guys. And as we like to do each and every week with you, I'm going to throw out a big uh, topic, and I want you guys to kind of give me your memories and your thoughts uh, in relation to that topic. So we're going to start with the all-star game and the all-star festivities. Uh, Larry, five-time all-star as a player. Charlie, a two-time all-star manager uh, in Major League Baseball. You both experienced the pageantry and the excitement um, of what it means to be a Major League all-star. Larry, I'll start with you. Um, What is your best memory of the all-star game the first time you arrived as an all-star? Well, obviously, the game was a lot different played back then uh it it meant something i mean i don't mean just who had the best record you had the presidents of both leagues come in and give pep talks to the american league and the national league and i'm sure when charlie managed it it was the same then it's just changed recently but i remember 74 it was in pittsburgh you know and last night i did a little research on the very first one because you know when you watch television and you don't you're not in the big leagues and you watch these all-star games you go wow look at these guys and I looked at that that 74 uh, game on the other side. Yes, Brooks Robinson, Frank Robinson, Gaylord Perry, Rolly Fingers, Reggie Jackson. I mean, these guys are all Hall of Fame players. And I'm sitting in my locker, and I'm looking at our side, and we got Hank Aaron, Lou Brock, Tony Perez, Joe Morgan, Johnny <laughs> Bench, Pete Rose. And, you know, you're sitting there saying, what am I doing here? I mean, you know, you, you don't want to say anything, but you want to – absorb everything that they're talking about because just sitting and listening to those guys talk baseball is something I will never, ever, ever forget. But again, it meant something. And, and you got to see a couple of clips of Pete Rose knocking off, knocking down uh, Joe, Joe Fossey yeah. uh, at home plate. The game meant something. I don't mean just a win and loss. It, it, the guys wanted to win more than anything. And so I think that's that part of the game has changed a little bit. I like what's going on now, but it's a lot different. Yeah, I would say part of the reason that has changed is because back then and and as recently as, you know, in the late 2000s, um, it really was the only game in town. You know, there there was that trivia question. What's the only day where professional sports is not played? And that was the day before the All-Star game and the day after. That's no longer the case. Um, There's something else to do every day of the week, uh, every week of the year nowadays. So I think it does lose a little bit of his luster for that reason. But still, you know, a great honor to be there and to be named. Charlie, um, as a manager, um, obviously, you know, ahead of time, after making it to the World Series in 2000, you're going to have the opportunity to manage the All-Star Game. Um, what do you remember most about that honor? And uh, and how did you approach it as as the manager of the team? Well, yeah, you know, we won. Uh, well, I always thought about, uh, people, players always get overlooked at times. That's that's uh, all of them cannot go to the all the great right. players cannot go to the All Star Game all the time, and that's that. I wanted to make sure that we got the right the right players, the right deserving players there, and I just so happened to think that uh, on my team I had quite a few of them, and you're like, and I wanted to take my guys, and most managers are like that, and. Uh, as far as the all-star games go, the first all-star game I went to was 202, and that was really exciting because that's the one that ended in a tie. 
and uh, <laughs> and, and they were getting off, and they, and actually they were the fans and everything were throwing things on the field, and they were getting on Bud Seeley. He was screaming and hollering, and uh, also remember uh, 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 Warren Spawn. You know, like they he he was the guy that first came out and went around, and they took him around in a uh, convertible and things like that. And I remember talking to him a little bit, and uh, and in the game, in the, as far as the game goes, you know, like. Uh, also saw the pitch at, uh, that uh, uh, Minnesota uh, Troy Hunter made on Bonds' uh, ball that he hit over the fence. He, he actually caught it and brought it back in. It back. One of the better catches I've seen in baseball, really. I mean, it could rank right up there with some of them. Yeah. So the game was real exciting, and uh, and everything about it was was good. And and, and uh, But I think that the way that game ended, you know, like that was – you know, like that's very memorable. Now, the ones that I actually managed, you know, the first one was kind of an experience to me because I didn't really, you know, like we had people on the field. I was all, I was kind of upset because we had, had all these people on the field. We didn't have time to hit and all the things, you know, like and was trying to get them off the field on the practice day and things. And then finally, when the game started, it seemed like it took forever for, for the night to pass and get out on the field to play the game. And uh, it was a heck of a game. And uh, they, uh, uh, the National, uh, the American League won on a, on a, on a sacrifice fly. And uh, uh, our pitching, you know, like we took our pitching, Rich Doobie and I went over the pitching, and we decided to pitch the, you know, the starting pitchers one inning at a time and things like that, you know, to kind of try to get people into the game. Sure. And uh, the first game actually, I can't remember as much as I can the second one, the, uh, but but I, but also too the two o two I remember most of all because after the game and the next day I got fired. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know when I went to Cleveland, you know like I had a different opinion with Mark Spire when I got fired. Now oh, now geez. I got that out of the way. We'll get on to that one that we won. You know we uh, the uh, one we won was in two ten. And uh, we broke a 13-game losing streak. And uh, that was, uh, to me, like, you know, like that. I remember a whole lot about that game. Uh, that's when uh, Stan Musial uh, drove around the field. And he, and when he I got the home that. plate, he got out of the car and handed uh, uh, President Obama the ball. And President Obama threw the first pitch of the game. I remember that. But cool. then, you know, like, uh, <clears throat> as far as the game goes, about in the middle of the game, uh, I made a move and I, I pinch hit to McCann for uh, Molino, and 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 they bought in our lefty to face McCann after I, I did that. And uh, with with guy on with with second base, I think, and uh, McCann got a big hit, knocked in a run, and that was, I, I think that ended up being one of the biggest runs in the game. Uh, but but and I'm also in that in that series on the All Star team. If you go back and look, uh, I chose some at the end of the game. I wanted defense on the field, and I got criticized for it and things <laughs> like that. But at the same time, too, you know, like I had some young guys who were having good years. Everybody on there was having good seasons, and we ended the game with a good defense, and we needed it. And couple calls in the last two innings of the game, our outfield made some good plays. And uh, so, so you managed to win the game. You managed exactly. like you would manage a game. <laughs> Right. Game one sixty two. I love that. I love you know that. what, Murph? Murph, I think I think that one of the big differences too back when when we played is you didn't play the American League. 
right at all there was no yes. interleague so this first time basically except for the world series then that's when you see the, right. the american league yeah, so that point. was a big difference there too but uh yeah. and the other rule that well it didn't come into play this past all-star but you know they have that saying make sure everybody plays that didn't exist back then yeah, they, they, they played the lineup and if you happen to be an extra guy and you got in that was great but if you were the extra guy and you didn't get in you you were just as happy just being there and then that was i think the biggest difference yeah hey Agreed. murph uh the only guy that did not the game we won if i'm not mistaken the only guy that did not get in the game was hunter fence Okay, and he and he was upset. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yeah, I'll get over it. <laughs> hey, you said I'm trying to win this game, Hunter. If I need you, I'll let you know. <laughs> um, it's it's to me, Larry. Do you remember? Um, again, the, I guess probably the first time you got word that you were going to be an all star. Um, do you remember that moment? Do you remember that feeling that you, know, you yeah, didn't go, you didn't go to a couple, but yeah, we were, we were on a road trip and, and Larry Shank, uh, you know, he, he traveled with us and, uh, I remember getting a call in the hotel. He says, Hey, uh, don't get, uh, don't make any plans for the all-star game. You're going to Pittsburgh. And I went, what? And he said, you got voted in to go and, uh, wow. the manager picked you. And, you know, I, I just, I look back at that. I guess the one that thing that stands out in my mind out of all the all-star, the five is 76 playing in Philly. Yep. We had five guys, I think. And that ovation was unbelievable. I didn't start that game, but I got in that game, but uh, that atmosphere was electric. And that one stands out in my mind. And the, the last one, probably the one in Seattle when Dave Parker threw out, uh, I'm trying to think of the runner at home plate. He threw a laser from right field to Gary Carter and that play stands out in my mind like it happened yesterday. I love it. We won all, all right. five of ours. There you go. Oh, geez. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. even I didn't realize that. I didn't look that up. Okay. That's yeah. that's a feather in the cap right yeah. there. That's all right. Uh all right. Before we uh, wrap this up, Charlie, one last question for you. And and it's a little bit of a curveball, but I think you can handle it. Back uh, who would you have loved to have watched before the home run derby was a thing? Who would who would have been a great uh contested in the home run derby there was a lot of talk about uh how cool it would have been to see schmitty in the home run derby um had it had it been a thing when he was playing who, who was one or two guys that you would have liked to have seen i would have loved to seen uh actually i would say there's at least three guys my top three would probably be uh man or and willie mays there you go you know i knew like, you're gonna say killer i knew that all right <laughs> oh, well yeah. Those are some pretty good names, Mantle and uh, Maze as well. Uh, Larry, what, what about you? Uh, God, those are tough, tough three to yeah. top right there. Uh, I, I, I agree with Charlie. I mean, I'd go for the Hall of Fame players, but it, you, you mentioned Schmitty's name. Schmitty wouldn't have done it. No, probably Schmitty not. Hated right. uh, if you watch Schmitty hit BP, he hated hitting home runs in BP. He tried to hit the ball to right center. I mean, it, that's that was his approach, and he'd be the first to tell you, I'm not going to mess up my swing to go there. But uh, yeah, you, I guess sure. Stargell, when I played, he hit some bombs, man. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, he hit balls that I, I couldn't believe how far he hit them. And not only were they long, but they were high. So yeah. he'd probably be the, the one guy, because I played against him, to see what it would be like to see how far he could hit them. Yeah, Bull would have been pretty fun to watch. Too. Bull would have been good, yeah. yes. Yeah, yes. he would He would have been a good one. And he he would have done it. Bull yeah, he would, done oh, it. hell yeah, he would have done it, for <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> he might have won it. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, those are some pretty good names. All right. 
thoughts from the all-star game from uh from charlie and larry uh, great stuff here on glove stories uh with murph let's take a break we'll be right back Welcome to This Week in Philly Baseball History, presented by Shive Vintage Sports. This week in 2015, Cole Hamels threw a no-hitter in his final start with Philadelphia. The left-hander struck out 13 Chicago hitters in a 5-0 win at Wrigley Field. Hamels, Terry Muhammad, and Johnny Lush are the only Philadelphia left-handers to throw a no-hitter. Celebrate more Philly sports history with clothing from Shive Vintage Sports where there's a story in every stitch. Visit them at 13th and Walnut Streets or at shopsports.com. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app is here for both Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Get in on all the action, whether it's baseball, the basketball and hockey playoffs, golf, all your favorite sports. Download the all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app and make your first bet risk-free up to $750. Bet more than the score. Bet on individual player performances for hits, home runs, and strikeouts. Bet innings, first team to score, and more. Bet Parks is the only sportsbook and casino app that I recommend. The Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, where odds, bets, slots, and games all come together in perfect harmony right in your pocket. Sportsbook and all your favorite casino games for real money, all in one amazing app. Live in-game betting lets you bet while you watch the game. Download right now in the App Store, Google Play Store, or at BetParks.com and use my promo code MURPH. Bet Parks is also an official proud betting operator of the PGA Tour. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. You must be 21 and in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Phillies Nation is your source for breaking news, original analysis, trade insights, and more. Read today's articles at philliesnation.com. Glove Stories with Murph is sponsored by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, along with Shine Vintage Sports and Phillies Nation, and is a presentation of SBC Media Partners. The engineer for Glove Stories is Chad Evans. Cindy Webster is our marketing and guest relations director, and our executive producer is Roger Haddon. Whether you are watching us on YouTube or downloading the podcast from one of the major podcast providers like Apple, Google, or Spotify, make sure to hit like and subscribe so that we can let you know when a new episode of Glove Stories is available. We'll release new episodes weekly throughout the 2022 Major League Baseball season.